You're listening to the Laugh Button Podcast on the Riotcast Network, riotcast.com. Welcome to another episode of the Laugh Button Podcast here on Ridecast Network, ridecast.com. We're back again already? Back again. Yeah. Back up in your ass with the resurrection. I am Matt Kleinschmidt, your editor-in-chief of the LaughButton.com, and with me is Bram Teitelman, editor-in-chief of our sister site, of our brother site, MetalInsider.net. How you doing, Bram? I'm good. I'm not going to rap at all. I, I know no, you did a little bit. I, I will, there'll be zero <laughs> Bram Teitelman rapping. I have two default raps all the time. It's either uh, it's something by the Ghetto Boys, or it's it's uh, Bugging Out by A Tribe Called Quest. Yep. It's, it's Microphone Check 1-2, what is this? The five foot assassin with the roughneck business. Sure, I float like gravity and never had a cavity. Uh, I got I don't know. I, I I used to know the whole thing, but I don't because. You By know. the way, all of you people from the mean streets of wherever you are, Matt <laughs> lives in South Brunswick, New Jersey. <laughs> no, it's actually not. It's Prince, uh, Princeton, New Jersey. <laughs> I'm sorry, a little whiter. <laughs> yeah, so it's very white. It's very. So uh, we're back here on the Laugh Button podcast. Go to the website thelaughbutton.com. Type in the socials at the Laugh Button. Uh, email us podcast at the Laugh Button. Uh, find us on all the great apps we're on pretty much all of them itunes stitcher laughable uh laugh at your mom tune in nachos nachos that's my favorite app. <laughs> pretty much anywhere you go and download stuff you can pretty much find the laugh button podcast uh i'm psyched for a few reasons one um our guest today bram is shane moss whoa i had a great conversation with shane moss at austin texas which i'll get to in a bit mm-hmm. uh for the south by southwest festival shane is currently on a tour called uh the good trip and it's literally a tour he's doing across the country and uh, the show is basically his one-man show about his experience with psychedelics. And I was like, hey, I know nothing about psychedelics, so Shane taught me about psychedelics for 45 minutes. Was he on any drugs? When Not the at the time. Was? He actually, it was a it was an early afternoon interview. We even also break down in the interview how often he does psychedelics and when he does them and what he experiences from them. It's actually like a, it's a really interesting conversation. It's probably a conversation like you wouldn't have had in like drugs and alcohol class in high school because sure. obviously it's pro-drug. And in school, you're often taught anti-drugs. But Shane Moss is one of those guys who is clearly pro-drugs because of this tour and what this tour has done for him. Uh, from a science point of view, he takes it a very scientific approach, uh, like he does on his podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you know, from uh, from it's introduced him to an entire culture of people that are advocates and fans of psychedelia or psychedelics <sighs> and. Uh, it's a very interesting conversation. I knew nothing about the subject going into it. I, I, I for one, have never done drugs. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll say this. What? I, I've done uh, very limited uh, psychedelic uh, things, yeah. and the last place I would ever want to be on acid is South by Southwest. <laughs> well, well, he wasn't. He's not on acid for, every, for every aspect of the show. Yeah. Ba- basically, the show's about his experience with psychedelics. Yeah, you're not like dance monkey, do yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's and it's different stuff too. Like there's, uh, he talks about uh, basically mushrooms and LSD and all these other types of different forms of it too. And, and sure, and too. So it's a very very fascinating conversation. Uh, I actually enjoy having conversations with comedians that's not always about straight up comedy uh, because you know we obviously talk about comedy, we talk about the tour and all that kind of stuff. But you know, there's some people out there they're just endlessly fascinating they have other aspects of their life that uh, aren't specifically comedy so that's what we talk about too so Shane Moss is coming up uh, back to what I was saying earlier about South by Southwest we yes. survived South by Southwest I was down there in Austin for uh, Saturday Sunday Monday Tuesday flew back Wednesday so five four and a half t- 
days, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and just soaked in all the comedy they have at South by Southwest. And there is a lot now. It was the 10-year anniversary of comedy at South by Southwest. And I feel like we've been down there or, or part of it for almost the entire time. So, you know, we're super psyched to be a part of it every year. We put on a showcase uh, this year, uh, the Laugh Button Live. We did it with Gotham Comedy Club. It was super exciting because all of our pals, we got the band back together. All of our pals who have done previous shows with us and our friends kind of like came in for the show. We had Nate Bargatze. We had Bobby Kelly. Uh, Mark Norman dropped in. Ian Edwards, who I'd never met before. He had dropped in. He was a new guy. Rich Voss, who we've known for years, but he's actually never really done a show for us in a while. So we had Rich Voss in there. And Al Madrigal dropped in and did a special headlining set for us as well. So super, super awesome show. It sounds like all of you missed out, except for those of you that were there. Except for the 300 or so people that were there. The uh, the show was so well attended. Standing room only was was full. And we had to turn out turn away about 60, 70 badge holders to the show. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you couldn't even stand up at the stand-up show. <laughs> no, uh, it's it's it's. I wouldn't say it's unfortunate. It was just one of those things where it's like if you were there, you're there, and if you weren't, you weren't. So it was uh, it was a really great event. And then also we did a couple other things while we were down there too that were just associated with the laugh button. We uh, we helped put together a podcast taping of the YKWd podcast with Bobby with Robert Kelly. So Robert Kelly's podcast was down there for the first time, and I believe that ep- episode was released just this week. Hi, Robert. <laughs> hey, I, know, I know he listens <laughs> and he had uh, <clears throat> excuse me um, and Lisa Traeger hosted our show but Lisa Traeger was also a guest on Bobby's podcast and he had uh, Joe DeRosa who had started his podcast with was in town so he sure. did, a, they did a quick tit for tat and he was on the podcast and they also had Voss on there and Bonnie Rich Voss's wife uh, Madrigal dropped by as well so it was a really great podcast and they sat around and talked and then uh, we did a live stand up comedy show it was great we also have some video of Bobby walking the tech floor which I'm going to put up there was a basically a, a part of South by Southwest is the interactive part of it there's a tech concert a, a, a tech concert conference and a concert and a concert you walk out onto this field into like this big convention center area and you can walk around and see what people have going on in tech and it's everyone from studios that are like releasing new tech to you know states and travel who are trying to recruit people for colleges there was even guys like uh home depot and stanley and lockheed martin were down there too just kind of showing about construction and carpentry and the science behind all that kind of stuff too so so is there like one thing that you took out of it like i know like it was <laughs> vr like last there's a, year. Lot, of there's a lot of vr a lot of VR, and j- just to kind of give you guys some history, a lot of big startups had launched at South by Southwest. Twitter is probably the biggest one. It launched at South by Southwest uh, many years back. Last year, Meerkat launched at South by Southwest. I, that was either last year or the year before that. The year before. Uh, yeah, they launched at South by Southwest. So, like, it's not uncommon for startups to happen there, you you know, and you have keynote speakers. I've seen keynotes from guys like, you know, Bruce Springsteen and uh, Dave Grohl, but also guys like Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, so I've given keynote speeches down there. So it's a really great pop culture merger of tech, entertainment, pop culture, sports, gaming even has de- has been become down there too. So, and comedy, obviously, so... You didn't even say music, which is kind of music, awesome. which is funny because that's why I, that's why I was first introduced to South by Southwest, as as were you. Yeah, um, it's through the music part. Of it. The music part of the festival happens the second half of the week, so I was down there for the first half, and everything changes over to music about Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it becomes. I mean, it's it's explosive. I mean, it's everything. You know, it used to start. It used to be 
find A&R based and A&R guys would fly down there and they'd showcase basically like up and coming bands and new and new artists and that type of stuff. And over the years, it's kind of become more of a showcase for labels, giant shows, huge underplays by bands. Spoon, you know, is releasing a new record this week. So they, I heard there's up and comers Weezer playing there too. <laughs> there's up and comers Weezers. And then the Roots did like a four hour show. Um, I've been there on years where like Metallica would do like a performance stubs at like 10 o'clock on like a Thursday night. I've seen Muse there. I've seen some really great acts playing very, very small venues. And that's kind of some of the fun of South by Southwest as well. I saw Duran Duran. Duran Duran did play there one year too. So like I've seen the killers there. I've seen, I've seen like terrific acts at South by Southwest, you know, and you never know. Like no. that's a cool thing. And it's probably the same thing with comedy to a degree. Like, uh, I remember going to a day party and seeing this band Russian circles yeah. play for one of the first times. And it was yeah. like noon and they were one of the best bands I'd seen yeah, yeah, ever. Yeah. And I'm still probably maybe a little bit intoxicated from the night before. <laughs> Just went to this party to like, you know, get a Bloody Mary and wake myself up. And I'm like, wow, this band is phenomenal. So there's probably a lot of, yeah. there's still discovery there. Oh, there's, there's plenty of discovery that goes on down there. I mean, from the comedy point of view, one year there was a guy who was a comedian. He was emceeing all these shows for these bands he liked. That guy turned out to be a season sorry before he was a season sorry. Dimitri Martin, I want to say I've seen down there as well. Just like literally, just like hey, I'm not really doing comedy down here, but I'm just going to go introduce these bands. And we're talking about Aziz, like right around Human Giant Aziz. You know, before he really right, broke, yeah. before he broke through, he's down there like. Hey, here's my favorite band on Merge Records or whomever it was that he was introducing at the time. But it's a lot of fun. There's there's very equal parts discovery. There's very equal parts showcase. And the festival as a whole is great. We go down every year, have a blast. Other things we saw down there, CISO was doing tapings all year. I mean, all week long. So the 10 o'clock show at Esther's Follies, you're guaranteed to see a great CISO show. Uh, they started off with the Night Train from with Wyatt Cenac. What's your fucking deal with Jay Okerson was down there. So saw Big Jay. Uh, who else was down there they did a taping for? We saw um, there was an above average show. Doug Stanhope, that was a CISO show as well. They did that with Doug Stanhope. Harmon Quest and with Dan Harmon was down there. Hmm. Uh, he taped both a Harmon Quest episode for CISO and a Harmon Town podcast as well. Uh, Doug Loves Movies with Doug Benson. He was down there as well. Leonard Malton was down there. Uh, I've read in the Leonard Malton. I met him and his, and his, and his daughter, who's also the co-host of his uh, of his podcast but it's really great we used to go down there and, and do a lot of interviews with some great talent um, oh True TV had a showcase on Saturday night with the new Guy Brunham talk show the game show that was there so really fantastic and great stuff was going on this year uh, in addition to the years past I want to say this year there's probably like 55 60 comedians down there and it ranged from guys like like I said a Doug Stanhope to you know the next up and coming guy like you know there's a Joel Kim Booster had a really great boost from that Mateo Lane was down there doing some of that stuff Lisa Traeger was down there doing stuff so but then you also had a lot of guys like you know like your Mark Normans and your Robert Kelly's and all those guys where you know at the above average after party we're hanging out at a house and I literally just you know because Bobby and I know each other obviously because he's we're on his network from Riotcast and stuff so we hung out and he smoked a cigar and we talked about podcasts with him and Rich Voss for a couple hours too so it's a really nice hang I met LaShonda Lester who's a total sweetheart and look for big things from her and speaking of big things for her it's so funny that like the day after I get back from Austin they announce um, the, the comedians that are getting the new half hours from Comedy Central and like half these names are names of people that were down there at South by Southwest like LaShonda 
John DeLester. Uh, like I said, Joe Kim Booster. Uh, Julio Torres was down there. He's a writer for SNL. He's a great guy. Anthony DeVito, our buddy, uh, Anthony DeVito got one. Adam Caton Holland, who... From those who can't, he got a half hour this year. Joe Gentleman, Firestone, right? Joe Firestone, who, funny enough, Joe Firestone was originally supposed to do our show. Hmm. And she said, I can't be down there because she's because Joe's doing stuff with The Tonight Show right now. And since The Tonight Show was airing that past week, she couldn't go down in the middle of the week. So It's a good problem to have. Yeah, it's a great problem to have. But Joe's Sorry, like, I can't do your show. I'm going to be on <laughs> The Tonight Show. She's been playing the, the Betsy DeVos character yeah. on The Tonight Show lately. Um, Yamanika Saunders... Uh, uh, Salman Giorgio Shane Torres who's been on this podcast in the past so like a lot of great comedians who have not only been on our podcast but like you know we've been kind of tracking over the years just got half hours like so the full list Adam Caton Holland Anthony DeVito Joe Firestone Salman Giorgio Casey James Lingo Sam Jay who was just who just had a late night spot Josh Johnson Joe Kim Booster who was down there as well uh, LaShonda Lester Chris Red, Yamanika Saunders Julio Torres Shane Torres and Z- Jenny Zringo um, that's the list. They're taping those half hours in New Orleans this year in the middle of April. Like I want to say the 18th, 19th, 20th. If you're in New Orleans, you can check the website and you can definitely get tickets to the show. Just hit the link on our button. They're actually going to fill the, they're filling uh, the seats up now, but like super excited for people doing half hours. The half hour has become this very interesting thing in comedy where, I love how Comedy Central has always done it. They've been doing this half hour for their for talent for, I feel like, 25, 30 years at this point. As long as Comedy Central's been around, basically. And the whole idea is, is to kind of give those comedians who might not necessarily have a full hour of material that like uh, kind of like a starting point. And plenty of comedians in the Comedy Central roster have had half hours. I mean... You name it, they've had a half hour. Uh, you know, even you know, from your Dane Cooks and your Jim Gaffigans all the way up to your most recent class, which was like uh, it was Andrew Santino and all those guys too. So, half hours are a really big important thing for uh, Comedy Central. And on that tip too, uh, it looks like Netflix. You know, they recently announced a bunch of half hours that they were doing as well. And I actually got to kind of find out a little bit more and from talking to people about the Netflix half hour. Right. The logic makes a lot of sense. Uh, basically. If you look at if you, and Netflix has data to mine for days on their audience and what people are watching and all that kind of stuff, and the logic I think Netflix is pulling in this instance is they can tell exactly when somebody doesn't tune out, but when somebody uh, when somebody kind of like goes to the kitchen to get something to drink. No, but like when walks away from their computer. If you're Bill Burr hour special or your Dave Chappelle hour special, you're watching the whole fucking thing. But if you're kind of a second tier guy where you're not necessarily as fully known as like Bill Burr, or Dave Chappelle, they can see the drop off in the watching habits, and it probably happens around that half hour mark. So they're gonna. I think what their logic behind it is. Baller comedians who've all had hours. I mean, like the list of half hour people was best selling Nikki Glazer, Dan Soder. Like it wasn't it wasn't people who didn't have half hours. And they give them a half hour and it's just like a baller half hour of comedy. So I think the logic is maybe the half hour is gonna be the new hour. But there's also people who uh I mean, I don't know if you agree with that logic or not. Um I mean, I guess it's almost like a greatest hit. Like if you have a killer hour and you take a half an hour of that. Well, I don't think it's even the greatest hits. I think it's all new material. But I think what the logic behind it is, uh, we have short attention spans on this planet. We don't uh, we don't focus as much on that kind of stuff. And so it's like... What, we, what were we talking about? <laughs> exactly. But like, think about it. You can put out a half hour every year, you know, almost, if you wanted to. Sure. But I, there are the purists in comedy, and I know there's, there's guys out there that the art 
and the craft of comedy is an hour. You know what I mean? So, well, yeah, but also, I mean, <clears throat> there's the same argument with music. Like, why put a whole album out when you could just release singles? And maybe that's maybe people have to adjust to life in uh, Netflix ADD sort of thing. And well, it's not just Netflix. It's it's all it's all yeah. 2017 technology has made us you know short minded, short attention span type of people. So I think it's a I, I'm interested to see how it plays out because like they have killers doing half hours it's like i said it's dan soder it's nikki glazer it's it's uh it's nate bargazzi it's like these people are like they're hammers man it's not like uh it's not like oh let's give someone it's not like it's two different mentalities of the half hour comedy central is like the next big the the up and coming guys and netflix is more like based on viewing habits let's hit them with the fucking hammer you know that being said i think it might be actually a good thing because you don't burn all your material off in that half hour yeah, very true. You very, know, very you true. Can, you can go to do a tour and people haven't heard the whole thing before. This is true, but I, I yeah, it's true. I, I also think there's some comedians that have like, oh my God, like Louis C.K. changed the game and his whole mentality is you get a new hour and you burn it and, and, and you tape it and you flip it over every year and all that kind of stuff. And there used to be guys who would do the same act for 20 some years. So I think the happy medium somewhere in between. I recently I saw Kyle Kinane this weekend. He came to the Stress Factory in New Jersey. He had never been to the Stress Factory in New Jersey, um, so he did some stuff from his older specials that like it's material I love and like I had a great time. I've seen Kyle Kinane a million times and yeah. I loved it. My wife loved it. Everyone there loved it. But I think it's also it's also presumptuous assuming that yes you like Kyle Kinane but you know all of his shit you know so I think that's the mentality of I don't know if that's a comedian mentality of like oh this person loves all my stuff so I feel bad but it is a little different because in the music space you can perform the same song a million times over yeah people will be pissed off if they don't hear your greatest hits exactly they're, they're like angry if they don't hear that whereas in the comedy space it's like well tell me something new or make me laugh funny man so there's a happy medium somewhere and I think that's what the, what's going on right now at the current landscape of the, the half hours versus stuff where it's like oh cool like someone will figure out the formula and the formula might be different for different people it is Dave Chappelle released two specials and I watched them both I watched them both today you know what I mean like I watched them back to back you know I watched even though I knew his specials were the one he taped in Austin uh, 2015 about that time he taped it literally at the Moody Theater Austin City Limits I want to say I want to say a couple maybe I want to say the summer of that year is when he taped it okay um so when you watched it, you know, some of the material is a little dated because he taped it in 2015, but it's not like, oh my God, this is like the worst dated shit ever. You know, it's just uh, the big things at the time were, you know, the Sterling guy from the Golden State Warriors who had that, like, you know, that racism scandal. So like, the, the, I mean, yeah, then uh, could he, could, uh, it was a very of its time special, but like the the still the trends and the and the premises are are still universal. It's like okay, he's talking about racism in America. Replace Donald Sterling with whoever the current racist name is, right. and and it still holds water. And um, the reviews have been interesting about the Chappelle special because I fucking love Dave Chappelle. I've seen the guy a million times. I've seen a ton of his comedy. I've seen a ton of his work. And I think this is these were like really great specials. I think the special he taped in L.A., um, you know, uh, which was the most recent one he did. I want to say October-ish of the of the of of the year. Two thousand sixteen. Uh, Two thousand sixteen, uh, called the Age of Spin. I think it was a really great one. Um, I, and it's Dave Chappelle. I mean, like even like his shittiest specials are going to be better than most people's out there. It's and, true. I don't think these specials are shitty at all. I really don't. 
No, he's a master of comedy. So. No, he really is. And like watching Dave Chappelle work is very interesting because Dave Chappelle, I'll, I'll compare Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Like I've seen those dudes on stage at the same time. And Chris Rock, funny fucking dude, like hilarious motherfucker, hilarious individual. Dave Chappelle is like next level above Chris Rock, but it's not because he's better than rock he's just different like some people just have that comic gift where it's just like you're looking at that guy you're like oh that guy's operating on a different level and like rock might have had to work for his stuff a little, a little bit more to be funny and i think dave Chappelle just has that natural whatever it is he has he just he just fucking has it and i talked to so many people about comedians and they say the same thing about Chappelle. i mean chappelle has got first of all his parents were very intelligent people and they were they're both professors if i'm not mistaken that raised him and I just think the household he grew up in kind of allowed for like that kind of brain to kind of fully develop. And it's, it's incredible to watch him work. Like even when people were talking about, Oh, Chappelle fell off. Like you would, you would catch him every once in a while doing like these marathon runs. And like there'd be these glimpses of pure brilliance coming out of this man. And I think right. these specials really do encapsulate that. Um, and good on him. I mean, he sold both of them. He owned both of them. The one he shot in Austin, he taped and recorded himself. So that was a purely licensing mm-hmm. thing to Netflix. And he made $60 million off of these, these. Not bad. No. And he's got one more special coming. So, like, I think the conversation of, oh, Dave Chappelle walked away from the Chappelle show in the early 2000s and he walked away from a $50 million deal is no longer a good argument because the reality of the situation is he, he did – 12 years later, whatever, how many years later, he did a $60 million deal with Netflix. So, like, that argument's no longer, like, a great argument. Chappelle's back. He's been back for a while. I mean, he's back to TV. He's back to stand-up. What else has this guy got to fucking do? He's been touring. He's done a couple tours. I mean, like, he's fucking back. He's Dave Chappelle, and he's fucking brilliant. Like, take your place amongst the the icons, dude, you know? Sure. (laughs) Also on the Netflix front, plenty going on on Netflix. Yes, we're in the golden age of Netflix gobbling up all standard, but Netflix is like bringing some of the old guys out of retirement. Did you hear about this Kevin James stuff going on? Uh, no, I, I actually have not. <laughs> they just basically inked a deal with, to bring Kevin James, a Netflix special, to Netflix. Wow, so I guess they kind of figured out that Kevin can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's a fucked out joke because I've heard it 17 times already just today. Oh, hack, I'm sorry. Buddy. You're hack, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike Kevin James. Well, Kevin James has done a stand-up special in 16, 15, 16 years. Wow. So what the small stuff was the last one I remember him doing. He did it years ago. He did it before he was like, I want to say that was like right before King of Queens like blew him up. So, But he's been doing the stand-up store with the stand-up shows with Sandler, the We Make the Funny Tour. He's been sure. doing that yep. kind of stuff. So, I mean, Netflix has basically primed him and like, okay, we'll take you, Kevin James. So they they now... They fucking got everyone. They got two Chappelle specials with a third coming. They got Rock specials. They got Louis C.K. Amy Schumer special just aired, which I don't know if you heard about that bullshit either. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I read about the, you know, alt-right bro dudes voting it down. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I don't know if you can completely call it alt-right dudes, but there definitely is a contingency of the world who gives Amy Schumer a tremendous amount of shit. And there are people... I, I kind of track trace it back to uh like like Gavin McGinnis's show on the Compound Media Network, yeah. and the Anthony Acumia show. Yeah, that's where it started. Uh, where those guys, those fans, those old Opie and Anthony fans, which can they can be vicious online, they really can. Um 
they kind of started to pick on Amy Schumer. They're usually the first people that like will say Amy Schumer stole a joke from Patrice O'Neill or so-and-so stole a joke from Patrice O'Neill. They're usually the people that kind of really quick to cry those, make those cries. And they basically got organized on Reddit and they basically were like, okay, let's go and downvote Amy Schumer's uh, special, the leather special. And like, let's, let's, let's try to tank it. Let's try to tank its Netflix ratings. And, and these are people that have attacked other comedians in the past before. I mean, Anthony Cumia had a, had a feud with Joe DeRosa and then basically all those dudes were like, all right, we're going to go tank Joe DeRosa's records. They started like giving him terrible reviews and one stars and all that kind of stuff. And really just kind of messing with his ratings on, on uh, Amazon and iTunes and all that kind of stuff too. So, I mean like basically the worst kind of activism, well, I don't think I wouldn't even say it's even activism. It's just uh, you know I mean, what it is like um, rallying around a cause. It is and rallying it's a around, shitty yeah, cause. It is. I mean, like I think most people classify it more as like a trolling effort than it is like an activism effort. Sure. Um, because activism implies there's a oh I know, but a, I think they, they a good versus they, a bad. They probably know? think they're doing something kind of noble for their cause of bro. That's genius. true. That's true. I mean, like. I just think, uh, I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I, I don't have time to go and, like, trash people on the internet. And there's plenty of people out there on the planet that have time to go trash people. I just usually don't, you know? Like, I've every time that I've made a tweet or I've made a Facebook post where someone has said stuff, something negative, and it happens all the time, it's the age of the internet, I've, I found ignoring them really just kind of shuts up people super quick. Yeah. Like if I engage them and say, oh, whatever, buddy, blah, 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 like that's when the, the argument starts. It's like, okay, you don't, you're never going to win that argument. So I, I feel like ignoring them, some of these people are just dying for attention. And if you ignore them, then they kind of, if you don't feed the trolls, they die, I guess is the, the way to put it. So I've always made it a point to just ignore people in that situation and just like they well, usually. Well, it's a little musty in your parents' basement. So I guess you really <laughs> need to just lash out in whatever way you can. Is that and what you're if you're low on Mountain Dew and Cheetos, <laughs> then you're going to be angry and you might downvote an Amy Schumer special. <laughs> There, uh, sure, 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 sure. Um, so yeah, let's talk about this. Let's do it. What are we talking about? Artie Lang. Oh man, oh man, just just blocks from uh, the blocks, last not far from our headquarters, around the corner. We're we're based in the Weehawk, and I would say what five blocks from where we're currently sitting. Five blocks as the crow flies. As the crow flies, five five blocks. Actually, three blocks as the crow flies. It's five blocks th- it's as five, the car drives. It's five blocks as the car drives. Three blocks as the crow flies. Artie Lang uh, last Sunday was busted for drug possession, um, cocaine and heroin too. So. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this off off mic before, but like Artie's one of those guys where you really want to root for, and he's got a million second chances, and and there's many, there's plenty of people out there that really want Artie to succeed, and obviously drug addiction is a terrible thing, and it's just really difficult because I feel like Artie Lang has gotten so many different chances and so many different. Uh, I would say that uh, it's it's really just second chances. Like everyone's rooting for him, everyone's yeah. rooting for him except himself. Yeah, I mean, like he just—I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like uh, Artie's one of those people where it's like you just feel really, really bad about stuff like that. So he keeps getting the Joe out of free card, though. Like, <laughs> he does, and like John Appleton was like, uh, "We support him," and even Artie was like, "Hey, if HBO doesn't take me back, I understand." But he's yeah. doing really well on crashing. Like that's really kind of something yeah. that could be almost a career renaissance for him if he was to, you know. Yeah, it really, it really, it really, it really could be. So hopefully he'll, 
hopefully get his shit together. You know, I just really hope he gets his shit together. Like, I've, you know, I've, I've always loved him and his vulnerability, but it's, you know, what, what I like him for is also his yeah. biggest fault. Really. What people love him for is also like what kind of helps uh, take him down sometimes too. So it's unfortunate, but uh, best of luck to you, Artie. Uh, hopefully uh, you'll get, you'll, you'll turn a corner and you'll be much better at this about, about things. So, um, and he's on tour too. So hopefully he'll be able to kind of make his tour dates. Hopefully he'll have Pete Holmes to keep him sober. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of tours, Tim and Eric launched a 10 year anniversary tour. How about too. that? I, first of all, how 10 years is like, where did the time go? Uh, and then second of all, it's like, geez, I can't believe that happened. So, I'm, I'm looking forward to that. We have all the dates on thelaughbutton.com. But uh, I think it's time to, to, to throw this over to our interview with Shane Moss. Uh, yeah. yeah, speaking of psychedelic weird <laughs> shit like yeah. Tim and Eric. Exactly. I think it's perfect segue. <laughs> so here we go. Here's our interview with Shane Moss on the Laugh Button Podcast. All right. So how are you, Shane? How's life? I'm wonderful. Yeah? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm uh, doing great. Yeah? Here at South by Southwest. <laughs> doing shows. Yeah. Making, making the laughs happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I lived in Austin for a couple of years. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So it's always nice to come back. It's okay. always, um, it's always like, uh, I, I have like a very hipster, uh, take on Austin. Which okay. Is, you know, it's a hipster city. So yeah, I'm of like course. very hipster about it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always like every time I come back, I'm like, oh man, that used to be such a cool spot. You've changed Austin. <laughs> I liked Austin better before people knew about it. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is like the the kind of it's a very kind of cliche 100%. take on like yeah. Austin used to be so cool, and then they put up condos, and yeah. these condos are ruining everything. But it is like a, it's always like I have my little food trailer. Yeah. Uh, area that mm-hmm. is like my favorite hangout and then I uh, come back and it is a condo there <laughs> now instead of food trucks every single time yeah. but uh, Austin's flexible it keeps on you just need to know where the cool new spots are yeah, it yeah, just yeah. changes really quickly sometimes it like pushes east like on the other side of the highway and stuff yeah, like that yeah yeah east yeah. 6 all this, I, and then uh, I, I used to have this it's all of my from when I lived here all of my favorite places mm-hmm. are now something else. Yeah. Every every single one of them, which is annoying. Like yeah. there's a odd duck that used to be the best food trailer mm-hmm. in Austin. Now it's brick and mortar, yeah. sold out. And it's <laughs> still great food, but it's like, come on. They can't be flexible. They yeah, can't I don't move. want like a full kitchen and like preparing <laughs> I want, things properly. Yeah. I want I want a generator <laughs> running the back of when I get my <laughs> yeah, food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah, I mean I've been coming to South by Southwest since two 2003 2004 about that and like i mean i've been here before like half the hotels the hotel we're currently sitting in was like within the last five years it's it's crazy because it used to be there used to be like these big pop-up activations and stuff at like parking lots and i don't think parking lots exist in this area anymore either (laughs) you remember parking lots (laughs) the only place you could get a slice of pizza after like i mean you get any food after like 10 o'clock on 6th street was like the death metal pizza hoiks which has now moved three or four different spots to and you show up and there's a dude blasting metal music yeah and they would give you a slice of pizza and they'd charge you based on how cool or uncool you looked which is a very really which is a very austin thing that is awesome they're like you look like a badass headbanger so this slice is a dollar you look like a total like preppy kid it's three bucks for you yeah yeah yeah. oh that's wonderful i remember one of my favorite things i wonder if this guy is still around Mm -hmm. i remember walking down like sixth street you know like the cheesy kind of like 
it, like where people that live in Austin actively avoid. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? It's it's like your your version of Bourbon area. Street, basically. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And um, and I remember walking down there with, and I saw one time like just going to a show, and I saw this guy who was it was this very like flamboyant Ali get dressed gay man yep. talking with like a couple of mm-hmm. like just like very regular seeming people and it was like something about it caught my attention and he had this bag and he was explaining all of this stuff and I looked and on top of this bag there was like all of these very uh it looked like magnets or something okay. like fridge magnets I look a little closer and and it's like some of them are like shorts and some of them are like a tank top or whatever and then I look closer and I realize that I'm like He's wearing that. Like, all these magnets are, like, what <laughs> they're on, he's wearing. They're, like, on his body? Yeah. And, and then I realize this is, like, so this is like this guy who has, so it's, like, a magnet of this guy. that you, Like, they even have them in, like, or they used to have them in some touristy, like, okay. shops. Like, okay. you go into a souvenir shop, and there's a magnet of this guy in, like, all of the different outfits that he wears oh that's so funny and you can get and so you can dress up you get this set of magnets and dress up this it's just this dude he's not like known for he's just known for that like just he's just like a weird mascot one of those austin mascots weird austin mascot that you can dress up oh that's so cool that is my favorite thing about yeah. Austin is when <laughs> stuff like that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it, it doesn't seem to be... I, there used to be a guy who used to run a, ride around on a bike all the time in like a thong bikini and long hair. Oh, yeah. I forget his name. I know he passed I know he passed a while back, but like... Oh, he, well, bless like, his heart. There was a... He brought us so much joy. <laughs> when I first remember coming here, I remember like, you know, Austin was very staunchly like, you know, independent. Like, they gave like the Hard Rock a hard time of being open over here. Yeah. And... One of the guys from the, this old, this website called Buddyhead, they basically broke uh, a, a, a holder in the uh, in the Hard Rock and started playing like one of the guitars hanging on the wall, which was like a Stevie Ray Vaughan guitar, which in Austin is like you yeah. can't do it. And they got called to like, and they basically got run out of town. But they're supposed to be on a panel the next day, and they asked this gentleman in that was rides around on the bike in the bikini to replace them on the panel, and he did. <laughs> Really? <laughs> yeah, man, I'm telling you. Wonderful. This was like this was like 2006, 2005, uh, yeah. something like that. Just like you know, it seems oh, like it was like awesome. yesterday. It seems like it was yesterday, but like we're talking a decade plus now. That when a lot of these crazy things are happening too. So yeah, there's always. Uh, I I like when there's always like a couple of uh, staples. What's the other guy that hangs out by the Velveeta room that does something odd? Uh, I don't know. I know. There, I mean, there's just like so many weird Austin mascots well, around. Keep Austin weird. That's yeah, the whole yeah, motto. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So, so you're not in Austin anymore, though. You're. No, I am. I live on the road. Really? Um, do you have? Do you, so no I place you call an home? Address in LA where okay. my mail goes, <laughs> and I swing by and pick it up every few months. Uh-huh. Um, but I literally live on the road now. Yeah. What you, happened was I started like this big tour last yeah, fall. Yeah. Yeah. Good trip. Yeah, it's a, it's a show about psychedelics that's been really successful and uh, and been filling rooms and everything and and so I started by subletting my place mm-hmm. and then I was just like, why? This is better than having a 
place to live. Yeah. Like I've been, I'd been resenting paying rent at a place <laughs> that like I get to stay three days out of the month at or whatever. Really? And I was like, what if I just didn't live anywhere? Like, it seems weird. Does that make me homeless? I guess so. And then, uh, and then I just like have really taken to it. And so I'm, I feel like, uh, I feel like the world's like fanciest homeless person because <laughs> I, I eat like very, like I, I eat really nice meals and I stay in like cool Airbnbs and stuff like that. And like, I'm definitely not like living on the street, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? but, uh, That's but cool. I'm also don't have a home. <laughs> and so I feel like, uh, like I'm just doing cool cool stuff all like just a, a really kick-ass homeless dude is how i feel so how, so 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 let's lay this out for me like how does a typical week look for you on this tour is it do you stay in a town for so long do you airbnb and fly to the next do you drive to the next is there well a, when i started it was <laughs> is there an rv in play somewhere oh i want an rv so bad yeah i don't think i'm there yet okay. i do want an rv I'm, I'm doing a bunch of international stuff so it doesn't make sense for me to put up are, like then I gotta find a storage yeah, unit for or, like four months that I'm or a friend's in, house in, to park it at yeah, or something like yeah. that yeah and uh, so I think after I get done doing a bunch of international stuff maybe it might be RV time but I I certainly could have used it from October until Christmas the first part of my tour um, I did about 60 days um, in in about uh, consecutively all, almost I had uh I think I had four or five days off wow. during wow. during wow. from October until Christmas, mm-hmm. maybe at the most. But yeah, it was a new city. It was basically on average driving about three hours each day. Okay. Setting up like getting there a couple hours early, setting up my merch. Uh, wow. <laughs> I have more merch than most <laughs> bands. My stupid <laughs> merch, and then pays for gas money though you know yeah it does and then and then uh you know i'd take a nap and then i'd do my show which is like a two hour long solo show usually Mm -hmm. um sometimes i cut it down to like an hour and a half and um and then afterwards i uh i sell my dumb merch and then pack up my dumb merch (laughs) and then put it in a car and then and then uh and then drive to the next place so sometimes it was me in an airbnb but sometimes i wouldn't want to have a plan because mm-hmm. sometimes i would want to drive like partially to the next city after a show so i would just stay in like crappy ho- motels and whatnot but probably a quarter of the time was airbnb uh or no probably half the time was airbnb a quarter of the time was like hotels okay and then and then once in a while i was like crashing with like a friend or i haven't crashed with like a couple fans okay like during the tour on the couch and stuff i I like really wanted to experience that aspect of it and i was like i did that no i don't need to anymore (laughs) i don't need to like like wake up on someone's couch and their kids are like in the living room and stuff and i was like yeah i don't uh you know i'm nearing 37 years old and i don't need to be couch surfing anymore it's time to make some adult decisions here yeah (laughs) which i don't think an rv is an adult decision it's not but it's better than crashing on the couch yeah it's like a weird so the plan would be to to um 
ramp things up a little bit, do bigger venues only on weekends mm-hmm. rather than doing trying to pull off shows on like Sunday during football season and Monday nights. And then I'd be on the off nights staying in campgrounds mm-hmm. and scheduling all of my tours so I'm in nice weather all of the time, like I'm in Canada yeah. during the summer and then slowly working my way south so I'd have some migratory patterns with this <laughs> RV. That's that's how I picture it going down in my mind. Yeah. I don't think anything ever goes down like as smoothly as you'd hope that it would. So I think that like part of the reason why I haven't pulled the trigger is because like say you spend like $80,000 on an RV and then you do it for like two weeks and yeah. you're like, oh no, <laughs> this was a terrible idea for whatever unforeseen things for whatever reason I'm not able to see. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, that's, that's, it's part of the worry, but. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, uh, being home free, it's trending, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I, yeah. You're, you're, um, there's some other comedians I think about that actually kind of lived in their car or whatever. I mean, there's, you know, Dave Stone's one of the first ones that pops in my mind that he for a solid two years lived in a van. And I, just drove around I once called Dave Stone. I was yeah. like, so what? How'd it work? <laughs> I was like, could I, you think it's like feasible if I, well, because for me it was, so sometimes I'm doing like a six hour drive yeah. and to be able to stop after two or three hours and like take a nap. Yeah. Even if I'm being put up, you know, I have a hotel in my final destination or whatever, just to take a nap or like have a desk to like get sit and do some writing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I have like, I have these really uh, glorious visions of what <laughs> living in a van would be like as well, which I imagine again are just like far more humbling and depressing yeah. than whatever i'm building up in my head but uh i think i might i think i might get a van to start as like a trial basis yeah. and then get a pull behind like okay. rv kind of trailer ish after that just pick a bucket an old econo line off of craigslist or something yeah, like that yeah yeah yeah. that's <laughs> what i'm thinking slowly work my way up what you're describing is actually kind of what uh i grew up you know as a punk rock kid and like you know love that kind of music love that kind of vibe like that was like the punk rock dream for like you know your teens into your 20s is just like hey man so get five guys throw in the van drive across the country just play in like basements and stuff like that too so there's a very there's a very punk rock aesthetic to what you're talking about yeah well i mean i often find myself uh i often take myself like too seriously (laughs) um still I still make that mistake. So I have like this show that's like very important to me and I'm saying all of these things that I think are very important. And then also I have a podcast where I interview scientists about life and uh, like the meanings of life. So in my mind, this is like my podcast is like the most important, like people (laughs) really need to hear this information. And so it's nice to... Um, have something that balances that like comedians just simply shouldn't take themselves that seriously and so the fact that I'm like a bit of a drifter makes me like not take things too seriously though I did just hire an assistant recently oh that's like like a big step yeah it's like I'm building (laughs) a team around yeah you're like responsible for like other people (laughs) yeah it's weird it's very weird so I try to keep it loose enough so I'm still having fun out there I still gotta get into a little trouble once once in a while i still gotta 
I still got to do a few drugs once in a while that, you know, you probably shouldn't be doing. Yeah. So uh, actually, I, I'm a, I want to unpack this a little bit because the, 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 the good trip is basically a one man show. It's how you're describing it as like a solo mm-hmm. show. It's all based on your experience with psychedelics. Yeah, it's actually a fun way that I've tricked people into hearing about how the brain works. Yeah. Because I've been trying for years to be like, how do I market a comedy show that's like, come out and hear jokes about how the brain works? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that turns out to be near impossible mm-hmm. to do. But what people do want to hear about is drugs. Yeah. And I have lots of experience <laughs> with those as well. And so it's a fun way that I can tie in. I mean, psychedelics are just about kind of looking at life a little mm-hmm. bit differently. And I think that's what comedy is yeah. as well. So I think that they like really... Uh, uh, complement each other better than I would have ever imagined and so it's a way of getting people to uh, hear about consciousness and perception and these weird ideas in this in this way that is um, a little more accessible mm-hmm. so I mean so how did you come up with this idea where you just like all right there's I want to try all these types of drugs and then r- tell everyone about it or it's just like man no. I've just I've seen some shit and I just need to get yeah, this out more, more of the latter <laughs> okay. I, I mean I always had all this material and I I, I ended up uh, I ended up doing a show in Houston where okay. there was a bunch of storms and okay. flooding, and so there was no audience there. Okay. And it was, but there are some comics there, and mm-hmm. because they were paying me, they still wanted me to do like a full set. And there's literally zero audience. The yeah. audience was just comedians, and I still had to like get on stage and do this to get my paycheck. And I didn't feel like doing my regular shtick. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd been doing a little more psychedelics than normal mm-hmm. at the time, and so they're on my mind a bit more. And so I was just like, let me just see if I can riff out like every psychedelic joke that I've written in my 13 years of regularly doing psychedelics and doing stand-up. And I started uh, just telling some jokes about psychedelics. Next thing I knew, an hour had gone by, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I guess I just have a show about psychedelics. Oh, that's cool. I started putting it together in like music venues, and then six months later, it was becoming this like really big popular thing that was like all of a sudden like completely changed my career now i'm like this weird psychedelic comedian and i didn't i didn't really anticipate any of that happening and i also don't want to be like pigeonholed or anything Mm -hmm. like that but i'm also happy to like ride the wave yeah whatever that that success comes in you know yeah yeah it's fun i'm i'm loving doing it so i always meet like all these weird people in every area of uh that like have uh that do uh Lots of, uh, <laughs> that bring me like lots of weird so, drugs to try. <laughs> so I'd imagine it, it also very much changed your audience. It's not just comedy fans now. It's probably different types of people. Yeah, so I figured out. out like how to get the psychedelic audience out. So a lot mm-hmm. of people, it might be their very first comedy show. Mm-hmm. They might have no idea who I am mm-hmm. and be like, oh, a comedy show about psychedelics? I guess I'll check this out. Mm-hmm. And, um... And it's funny because they like they hang on every single word. Oh, that's they're, so, that's they're so awesome. cool. They're awesome. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, they're definitely enthusiastic, and some some people are like already know me from podcasts or whatever, mm-hmm. and are fans of mine. And other people just literally are just psychedelic enthusiasts that have no idea what's going to happen. And so I gain a lot of new fans this mm-hmm. way too, because usually those people like. Maybe I've never been to a comedy show before, and now I'm their favorite. Yeah, 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 because you're within that world. And yeah, I mean, you know, why not? I mean, there's pot comics, there's roast comics, there's whatever. I mean, it's, it 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 takes all types. I feel like too. How now? Speaking of which, have you ever 
I'm trying to think of other people that kind of do what you do. There's only a couple names that kind of pop into my head, like a Duncan Trussell might be mm-hmm. kind of like doing what you're doing, or and to a degree, some of Joe Rogan stuff yeah. is very much in that too. So, have you ever sat down with those guys and kind of like discussed, you know, shared experiences? Yeah, I've or? been on both their podcasts, mm-hmm. Duncan's more. Yeah, and Duncan and I have actually like hung out as as well afterwards. Yeah. I've never like hung out with Joe Rogan. I've done his podcast, but yeah, Duncan has a very like spiritual like Mm -hmm. shamanish take on things um and joe rogan has like an oddly like aggressive yeah take toward he's just like kind of an aggressive dude i feel like he's aggressive at life and everything he does it's like let's tackle it let's wrangle it down and figure it out and rip it apart and take a look inside and all that kind of stuff and i feel like i have a more laid-back scientific more nuanced uh, take on things and so so duncan um, Duncan is like um, on psychedelics it's revealing like God or we are all God or whatever it might be and I'm like yeah I've seen that too but why do you, why is the brain perceiving things that way and so it's way more science based from you for me it is and then um, and um, uh, yeah and, and Rogan is like a mix of uh, I guess a, a little a little he, he's both on the spiritual and the scientific uh worlds but i'm i'm a little bit hard-headed about all of them i'm yeah. very like i i get uh my podcast or my my tour is sponsored by the multidisciplinary association of psychedelic studies which is like uh they're one of the more legitimate like these are real scientists oh are they this. i i i i am not very familiar i don't have much of a history with drugs in general yeah, i've yeah, never yeah. even smoked Fair pot enough. i've never even smoked pot really yeah. i swear to god i pot, smoked cigarettes pot, for a while uh and and alcohol i drank a little bit of but that's yeah. about it that's about yeah. it i don't i mean i don't think psychedelics are for everybody yeah um i but I think that psychedelics are for more people than pot. Okay. I'm actually not a huge pot guy. Okay. I smoke it here and there, but it's not the same as... Like, psychedelics are something that you can do a couple times, and, like, you do it, you get the message, and, like, you're done with it. Okay. It's not so much about, like, a chemical change. It's about having an experience. Okay. Whereas... Whereas, like, weed or alcohol is like, I want to produce this chemical change and, like, get out of my head or loosen up a little bit. Okay. And um, psychedelics is more like, let's give you a totally different perspective on everything. And it fucks with your head enough where you're just like, oh, I was looking at life different. Like, I would have never enjoyed scenery. Okay. I remember when I was a kid, for someone to be like, hey, look at that sunset. I would have been like, it's the sun. Yeah. Like, who cares? You see that every day. Why would that? be something like noteworthy and uh and since doing psychedelics now my appreciation for like nature so it just kind of tweaks the way that you look at things a little bit it kind of hits the reset button i like to think that uh like you you remember how amazing trees are and I, i the way that i think about it is that trees were amazing to all of us when we were like three years old yeah 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 and we've all just gotten complacent with life and so it's a way of like hitting the reset button you kind of have to relearn some of these perceptions and uh and that's what psychedelics do oh very interesting I, I, me i've always been 
I always like growing up I've always heard like you know the horror stories and that's why I feel like I, I've never kind of experimented with yeah. that stuff where you hear it's like you know uh, a friend of a friend took so much acid that like they're in this constant state of like you know fried brain or yeah they fried it, their brain yeah or like I, I, the big one I always heard was so and so did so many drugs that like you know he would crack his back and then all of a sudden you, these the drugs would be re-released into us did you ever hear this the, yeah, I, mean, I just yeah, like the yeah. only one that, like, I've you've never heard, met actually met any it's of always a friend of a friend and it's never it's, yeah, yeah it's uh it's it, that's a imaginary person that yeah it, it seems it seems like those are unicorns because i've now done this show about psychedelics to like uh probably about 250 different audiences of okay. psychedelic enthusiasts and like meeting people afterwards i have yet to meet one of these people yeah yeah, yeah. that is like lost in yeah, this yeah weird psychedelic realm and like hasn't came back um i don't think drugs work that way i i mm-hmm. never see anyone like have a bunch of drinks and and then be like ah oh, what if i'm just stuck like this now yeah, what I'm, just, I'm just drunk for the rest of my life wear pants again you yeah. know um, that just doesn't, I, I don't think that's at all how drugs work. Yeah. And I think that those stories are, uh, fiction. Yeah. I, th- I, 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 I mean, as I've gotten older, I've definitely felt that too. Cause I've never met these people. Yeah. I don't know? know who's like jumping off of buildings and stuff like that. I don't think it's a thing that actually exists, yeah. but it's fun to, um, to like think about and play. I, th- I think that we want to believe that they're real. Like people yeah. do this thing once and go crazy. People love like attaching to these little statistical anomalies. Like if that was what was happening, the new it would be on. If someone died from tripping, it would be on the news immediately because yeah, it yeah. never happens. The news would be like, look at this guy that yeah, did too much acid and they're dead now. And it would be like a top story. Yeah. Um. You'd you'd hear about it everywhere, and and, and you don't hear those. I mean, you hear about shark attacks in Australia. Yeah. Of course. Like one person gets eaten by a shark and the whole world knows about it. Yeah. And I think tripping is the same way. I think that if those stories were out there, which they just simply aren't, yeah. um, I think we'd be hearing about them. And uh, and and they'd be really like traumatized and yeah. played up and it'd be all... I think those stories are just... I think those are just complete myths. Well, I mean, look at like... I mean, go back to like... I'm not saying people can't have a hard time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, what... Like they they think that maybe it can set off some pre-existing schizophrenia. Yeah, something like is that. A concern. Yeah. Well, like in the '60s when when psychedelics were exceptionally popular and mm-hmm. legal, um, the rates of schizophrenia didn't increase. Yeah. Even though people were doing more mm-hmm. drugs that are supposedly causing schizophrenia, so you would expect those numbers to increase, Absolutely. and they didn't. Yeah. So they think maybe it's releasing. Like, say you're going to be schizophrenic anyway mm. maybe possibly it's triggering some sort of something earlier but uh yeah i'm, I'm skeptical of all yeah because i mean there's a, most of the statistics about mental illness from what i understand and i get this these statistics from my wife who's a social worker and deals with this population a lot is you know it manifests itself when you get older your your 20s or your 30s is usually mm-hmm. when this starts to manifest and you know uh it doesn't seem to be many uh, much science behind it other than right. like m- maybe it does trigger something earlier but it's you're prone to that already or something right, like that right, too right. so it's just always interesting I've always I've also as I've gotten older thought that it's more the anti-drug movement doing it to scare you and to and to 
inject some sort of you know te- don't try that because you're so scared of it and then right. and then you grow up like you know people like me who are just like oh well you know I, I i feel like i've just missed my window at this point like you know i'm 37 i feel like my the my window for experimenting with drugs was like definitely like my teens and 20s and it's just like yeah but then i also think about i'm like I hear that a lot but i'm also like oh i'm almost 40 i have a mortgage and, and a wife maybe i should smoke some pot or something yeah, like that I mean, you know I, I honestly <laughs> think psychedelics are an adult drug okay. I, I think that people have so because they're kind of like a meditative therapeutic aid they mm-hmm. kind of pull out what's in your inner world and mm-hmm. so most people try them during like college years yeah this is like an experimental time for yeah, most yeah, totally. everybody and that's when people do most of their drugs well well you do you trip when you're like the, these are the most tr- like transitional confusing years of your life yeah and so people have these really confusing trips yeah whereas your formative when you're years an or adult you kind of have a better handle on some things and uh it, i don't know to, to me they have a much greater benefit now as an i'm almost 37 myself mm-hmm. um in a couple of months and i think that they're uh far more beneficial to me now than they were when I was younger but I don't I don't think they're for everybody I would love to see them used in clinical settings I think that everyone would be open-minded if uh, about it if it was like you'd go into a therapist's office or something they'd give you mushrooms or LSD or whatever and that's and that was the start that was the origin of most psychedelics isn't that what microdosing is Is, aren't there aren't there isn't there conversations because I remember seeing some stories about like housewives that would get great great anxiety or something like that they would microdose yeah, just to kind of keep them. Yeah, so that you know. that's. Uh, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by those because I don't know any about it, so I'm asking these questions. Well, but um, I actually have no experience microdosing myself. Okay. Every time I go to attempt microdosing, I'm always like, "Well, why not just do a full dose?" <laughs> um, because Cause, cause you got to pick the kids up after the work. That's why these moms do it. <laughs> um, well, microdosing is like so. It's like kind of all the rage on Silicon Valley. Is so, it okay? So people are having these small doses that it, it's like heart. You, you don't really even feel it really but yeah so lsd is forming like lots of new connections in your mind so it's kind of good for creativity because okay. you're, you're forming these different abstract connections than what you normally do um but for me i don't want like a i, I don't want to do something that i like need to do every day yeah i just the way that i do them is i have i have like four or five big experiences yeah. and say like a year like every other month or so I'm okay. having that's um, how frequently you usually do it yeah I do mushrooms probably four times a year I okay. do acid like uh, mushrooms four or five times a year acid like two or three times a year I do MDMA like uh, maybe six times a year um, and then I do DMT about once a month probably 12 times a year and so so it ends up being about like almost every other week I'm, uh, okay i'm going on some sort some, of some, trip, something but. so it's interesting because you just you just mentioned you know a variety of different things and th- from what i understand they all have different effects on you like oh, yeah. the dmt which you mentioned which from what i understand it's it's part of your own brain it's like a it's like a weird yeah dimethyltryptamine is already in your brain it gets released in high volumes right before you die that's why people are lucky enough to be revived they hear, have these stories of seeing like um beings or tunnels okay. or whatever Anyhow, okay. you can smoke that and uh, how, how do you even harvest yourself. how does one even harvest that it's uh it's in most DM, dmts and most living things so oh so there's okay this particular kind of bark that has a higher concentration oh interesting of DMT, so it's bark so okay. it's easy to extract from it interesting and uh yeah and you smoke it and you have like a very 
it's the most intense 10 minutes of your life. You really? have like a very out of body experience. Interesting. And uh, it's uh, really, in- yeah, it's it's uh, it's intense. I feel like I'm learning some things here because I, I really don't know. The MT is not for everybody. That, <laughs> it that sounds is, like it's definitely something. Real it sounds like that. Is. It sounds like that is like. You know, you have a black belt in psychedelics, and then that's what you do when you're a black belt. You yeah. kind of work your way up to that, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is this something that you feel like you're going to continue to do for the rest of your career, just be like this this one-man show psychedelic thing? No, or you, or do you I, feel like you're going to go back to stand-up at some point? Or? I, I think that I'm, I'm trying to seize this opportunity to um, get known as as a guy who does stand up about really heady okay. topics. So I would like to do more shows about like neuroscience and that okay. sort of thing in the future. I hadn't I haven't figured out how to market that just yet, mm-hmm. but I think now with the success of this show, yeah. I'm building a big enough fan base that people will come back and hear me talk about whatever so then I can get into things like cognitive biases and and why our why our brains um make us like um uh I, i'm pretty like one of the things i'm obsessed with is um is just kind of uh delusion and okay. how we've evolved to trick ourselves so if you survey people um 90% of people think that they're better drivers than half of the population of or smarter than half of, of the course. population or all of these so just everyone thinks this about themselves of and it's completely just it's a very clear statistical delusion um you simply can't be yeah uh, and 90% of people can't be better than of half course. of people it makes and, total sense and um so kind of exploring those kinds of ideas why our brains do that to us and in in that in that case why uh how confidence is such a necessary tool that helps us spread our genes on and and one of the things of that makes you like great at lying and convincing other people of of a lie is if you actually believe it yourself mm-hmm. and so if you can have your version of reality hidden if you can have reality hidden from you in a way and have this other interpretation of it where you're a better thing mm-hmm. or more qualified or whatever it might be, you're better able to convince others of it because you believe your own bullshit. Yeah. So if you can evolve to buy into your own bullshit, you can convince others of it. And uh, and so, so I think that most of this kind of reality is... Uh, is mostly us kidding ourselves and uh i think that's a real fun topic to explore it's a a great topic because i think about i think about uh just living in the time we live in where you know it's it's not necessarily who you are as a person but it's how you appear online it's how you appear in social media it's how you appear to the rest of the world where that bullshit part of it comes from it's very interesting uh and uh, I, um, it's it's definitely more headier stuff than like the average comic would want to cover too. Like, my hope is is that like right now I'm doing a talk about DMT mm-hmm. and it's just there's some jokes in it. Yeah. But it's literally just me standing on stage explaining DMT. Yeah. And I don't bill it as a comedy show or anything. And I get just as strong of a response to that as I get to like these well-crafted comedy shows that I do with like a bunch of jokes and funny stories mm-hmm. and whatnot. And um, I think that's uh, I think that's um, amazing. I yeah. think that if I can start if I can start transitioning into 
is doing something where I can still I still have jokes I can still do comedy but I can also like be a humorist and I can also kind of be a lecturer mm-hmm. um, I think that would open up uh, uh, open up some interesting doors a little Oscar Wilde maybe give a TED talk here and there yeah 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 that'd be yeah. very cool it sounds like no, you would actually I, I be re- definitely like I, I think I'm gonna start applying to do some TED talks yeah it sounds actually. like it's a goal of yours is to eventually yeah, yeah, do a yeah, TED yeah. talk or two I think it'd be fun I think it'd just be uh, I think it would be I think it's a way of um, showcasing um, bigger. I think people are thirsty for um, more interesting things, more complicated ideas, more unique uh, forms of entertainment. And this is like kind of prime time to be, to, I think I look at comedy today and it seems like so interesting and experimental mm-hmm. i think there's opportunities for i'm not just talking about like going off and doing uh, uh like big science ideas or whatever like i just did um the bone zone podcast mm-hmm. with randy litke and, and brennan walsh and it's just like a couple of morons <laughs> making prank phone calls yeah. and just like being the biggest jackass you can be. <laughs> I think that's wonderful yeah. that there's like the, this opportunity um, to do that, to go in any direction that you want uh, uh, you want to go. And I think that um, I, I think that you know if you're say into NASCAR or something mm-hmm. that like I have zero interest in that doesn't mean that you shouldn't get to have some form of information uh, uh, like entertainment catered to you uh, like yeah why not have uh, a comedy podcast about NASCAR yeah and, yeah of course and, and I think that's what's exciting about the modern the the state of comedy today is that we can have these really really specific sort of things and so that's just my yeah the, uh, so I'm I'm just <coughs> trying to follow my own kind of specific interests and and uh, I think we live in a exciting world where everyone gets to do that now. Yeah, I think it's the nature of podcasts in general too. It's like it allows you to build a fan base and then you can almost do whatever you want with them, which mm-hmm. is kind of it, you know, if if it's MMA, if it's NASCAR, if it's whatever it is, if it's if it's psychedelics or science, you know, it sounds like you're you're very into science as well. We're talking to scientists on your podcast. Yeah, I just kind I, of all I'm works. able to get some of the smartest people in the entire world that like t- Basically, at first, it was just a trick. Yeah, I, I was, was it just really? Like, okay. I just want to learn things from smart people. <laughs> so come and teach me for and, and 20 I, minutes, half I, hour, whatever yeah, it is? Yeah. Okay. So can I interview you for an hour for my podcast? Yeah. And I didn't I didn't have, you know, when I started, I had no idea how many listeners I'd have. It's still not. I get about 50,000 downloads That's a great. week, which is really great. Um, but it's also, like, small by comparison of, of, of on, like, a national scale. Yeah, yeah. That adds up to, like, a few people per town or, you yeah. know, whatever, uh, listening. And, um, but, but it's just, like... Hey, here's a way I can trick smart people into <laughs> teaching me things. I didn't even think about my audience, yeah. and then and then you know people get to come along with me on that journey. Well, I just think I think sometimes people uh, they see themselves in you. It's like, oh, I've always wanted to learn that, so I'm in a situation where I don't feel like I need to be intimidated by it. I yeah. don't feel like I need to be like I don't need to have some sort of like credentials to get in. I can just listen to Shane is doing this for me. You know, yeah. it's like I am Shane in this situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people feel that way, and. 
and I get to be the one that <laughs> nervously is like, well, I'm not smart enough to be talking to this person, <laughs> but here we go. I'm just going to sit here and listen. <laughs> I get to be the dumb person for you. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I get to have all the awkward moments mm -hmm. on your behalf. <laughs> so so what type of people have you have you interviewed on this podcast? Been so, able to, like, what type like, of scientists are we talking about? Well, evolutionary psychology and biology was like my main wheelhouse that I knew the most about okay. when I started. And then, uh, and then from there, we've gotten into just kind of regular psychology, behavioral economics, neuroscience. Um, I just had uh, I just had someone on who studies poet, an English professor who studies poetry or rap as a form of poetry. Oh, that's super cool! And so it's very eclectic. Some sometimes uh, sometimes drug addiction stuff. Sometimes stuff with. Um, uh, uh, we, we do a lot of like psychology of marketing and why people make some of the business. So, so we do some Man. like, like people know Freakonomics. Yeah, kind yeah, of stuff Freakonomics, absolutely. So we'll have some stuff like that, mm -hmm. uh, but, but it's got a similar feel to that just with, with a lot more topics that don't that have don't, to do with yeah. the economy or like a lot of mating behavior sort of stuff. And Interesting. Why, why, why do people like today I'll be uh, interviewing a guy, um, David Buss, who wrote a book called The Evolution of Desire, and so it's all about how we've evolved to be attracted to the things that we're attracted to, and why do people get jealous? Why do people cheat? Why do we fall in love? What are all these emotions about how they evolved? What are they for? And uh, so that's that's my that's cool, jam. Man. It's, uh, that's it's cool. all. So I stay away from things like chemistry and like physics uh, that don't have to do with like the day-to-day -day necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. stuff that i find interesting but don't like affect your day-to-day -day life so it's more like life science some people call it like soft science kind of okay. stuff because because it's not as like hard of a science as like physics where you're crunching yeah. numbers and doing all of this so um so there's a little more room for um for kind of uh taking bigger stabs at uh, like kind of wild speculations mm -hmm. um and so you get to have a little more fun with it it makes you kind of question life a little bit more and so yeah it's fun that's super cool that's super super cool so you're in austin and you're doing some shows in austin yeah. is it just the good trip stuff that you're doing or is it i'm doing um i'm doing my live mm -hmm. podcast i'm doing some other spots around mm -hmm. um I'm doing some like weird show called "Would You Fuck This Guy" oh, or yeah. something would, like would that. Oh yeah, would would you would you fuck him? I think Bonnie McFarlane and Rich Voss are doing it. Yeah, They're like yeah, yeah. Judging it or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So are you the guy show. or do you help them? I think I'm uh, one of the guys, <laughs> so I get to find out if people will fuck me or not. We'll are, you, are you are you intimidated by that thought? No. <laughs> Like, I know if people want to fuck me. I think people will fuck me. <laughs> it's the only thing, the visual I keep getting is from Science of the Lambs with Buffalo Bill when he tucks himself and goes, I'd fuck me. Yeah, that's yeah, just kind yeah, of what I picture. That's yeah. what I picture that, that panel love, being. I'm trying to be like the Buffalo Bill of, of comedy. <laughs> <laughs> not a bad spot to be. Not a bad yeah. spot to be. So the tour continues for how long? Um, probably June now. It was okay. supposed to end a few weeks ago. Okay. Um, and I just ended up extending it because it exceeded my wildest expectations. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just kind of keep on tacking on more dates. But, um, but yeah, I would, I would say June. Any, any plans to, like, record it, put it out? Make yeah. it a special, something yeah, like that. Yeah, just am waiting um, for the right deal. I'm oh, very okay. particular, gotcha, um, about where I want it to end up, and so I'm hoping for the right, 
uh, deal. Gotcha. Because I mean, because your last album, which yeah. was drastically different than this, because it was basically about you breaking your legs. Yeah. If, now, now, if, correct me if I'm wrong. The story goes: you were hiking, yeah, and you jumped to a pl- another platform that was a different height difference from where yeah. you're at, and yeah. you broke both of your your uh, both of my ankles, heels. heels. Okay. Exploded. Um, <sighs> it just sounds painful. For a few it just it just sounds like one of those like. 27 hours alive type of movie. Yeah, yeah. This is a 187 visual. hours. Yeah, 187 yeah, yeah. hours or whatever it was. Yeah, right? I yeah. a joke about that because uh, that's the first thing that everyone everyone says. Uh, uh, yeah, of course. And it is like... Yeah, it it's was, not an original thought for me. Not oh, no, no, means. no. <laughs> no, I didn't mean that in like a disparaging no. way. I mean like that's literally the first thing that everyone... Th- th- like how could you not think of... It? Like, yeah. Like that is the, it's the go-to. obvious joke, yeah. That is the go-to like hiking story. Yeah. You know, like... And so... And... And uh, so, yeah, I had, that was my own little, I didn't have to cut off my own armor. Like, yeah. I actually thought I might lose a foot really? um, at one point, but oh, and that wasn't the case. I still have, I have some issues with it, but it's, yeah. it's not, it was an interesting thing to go through. When you go through some, it makes you like reassess your life and figure out what's important. I feel like a lot more driven since that That's time. Great. I feel like, uh, I feel like I really decided to like go for it and do exactly what I wanted to do because life is short and blah, yeah, yeah. blah, blah. So, so yeah, there's this kind of reappraisal. You see, you seem more driven. I mean, like, not that I, I know you for, I've known you for a long period of time or anything yeah. like that, but, uh, you know, just, I have a few lazy years in there. Yeah. You, you know, you seem like you kind of like, I know what I want. I'm doing this yeah. thing. I have a couple of things I want to check off along the way. I got some, some, some boxes and some goals. I want to make them happen too. Whereas yeah. sometimes it's, sometimes comedians just want to smoke pot and play PlayStation, you know? Yeah. I want to, <laughs> I want to do a couple things that I feel like are meaningful and mm-hmm. then I'm going to peace out this bitch yeah you have an exit plan uh no i just like <laughs> figure i bet i'm gonna die one day though <laughs> oh, of like, course I'm we all do of, it's the only it's inevitable i'm guessing <laughs> I, like i'm really i'm kind of banking on it at this point <laughs> that, that, we'll see i mean no nothing is certain you but, never know technology advancements and any that like, stuff i'm 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 really uh it's a bit of a gamble <laughs> I think I I think there's a strong possibility that I'll die one day, and um, and b- before that time, uh, trying trying to soak up as much of this weird existence as I can. I'd actually cool. like to spend m- m- the majority of uh, the what time I have left uh, uh, pointing out how ridiculous this existence is <laughs> um, to everything, uh, to everybody that I can, and so I think that. Uh, that I, I'm, I've positioned myself well yeah. um, to point out the absurdity of of, uh, of life and existence. Gotcha. So if people want to find out more about you. Shane Moss, M-A-U-S-S dot com and the herewearepodcast.com uh, website. You can find out all of the various topics and find things that suit you. My podcast is free. It has a five-star rating on iTunes. Don't you love geez. when that happens? And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love what I, I love what I do and if, if yeah. it sounds like something that you'd be interested in that'd be wonderful if you give it a listen and if not keep exploring and find a comedian out there that's better suited for you yeah i mean i'll just listen just from hearing the way you're describing the podcast it sounds like something i absolutely need to recommend to my wife because she loves this kind of stuff and she works in this field of psychology and all that stuff so i'm sure she'd be ah, endlessly fascinated by this conversation so yeah i pretty much only go on podcasts these days to get people's to get podcast hosts wife's li- listening <laughs> well then there you go so it's, you know. it's just one one podcast host wife but uh, uh, at a time at a time is, yeah it's 
it as high. Well, there's enough podcasts out there that you'll eventually get them all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then you have all the downloads in the world. I, I love I love talking to other podcasters about podcasts. Like I feel like there is definitely a com- a community of like podcast fans. It's just like I'm a fan of this. So like, I don't know what it is. Like, I don't know if it's, you have a long commute and that makes you a podcast fan or what it is. But uh, I, I don't listen to any podcast. Really? Ever. Oh my gosh! I, I listen to so many books. of them. I know. Really? Well, I mean, yeah. I guess it's like in a way it's research for your podcast. It's weird because I there's some like Bert Kreischer. Yeah. Um, is a dude who that guy loves podcasts. He listens to podcasts all the time. Yeah. Like. And then talks about other podcasts on his podcast. Yeah. And like, uh, that's just not me. <laughs> this is not you. All right. Well, what you are is your Shane Moss. And thanks for coming on the Laugh Button Podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you um, very much. Yeah, have some, have some fun, uh, have some good time the rest of your time in Austin. I'm gonna. Thanks uh, for having me. Okay, thanks. Bye. And we're back. That was uh, Shane Moss on Laugh Button Podcast. So. Very informative. Yeah, yeah, super, super interesting. It didn't make me want to go out and take psychedelics, but uh, now I understand them more. Oh, I've been shrooming this whole time. Oh, have you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My name is Bram, and I'm tripping balls. <laughs> uh, yeah, you look funny. <laughs> uh, all right, so that'll that'll do it for the Laugh Button Podcast. Go to the laughbutton.com. Check out all the headlines. We are running a tremendous amount of stuff these days. Contests for ticket giveaways in your area. Uh, right now, we're giving away tickets for Mark Marin, Patton Oswalt, Artie Lang, uh, all that kind of stuff. So definitely check that out. Um, a bunch of stuff coming coming up. We're, uh, we're 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 planning some some great video from South by Southwest. We have uh, the video, like I said, from uh, from Robert Kelly walking the tech floor of the tech of the tech conference to a drunk history event that we did down at South by Southwest with Mark Norman and Sean Patton. That's actually up on the laughbutton.com too. Drop us an email. I want to hear from you guys. Podcast at the laughbutton.com. We haven't really. Really, uh, promoted the podcast uh, at the at the com email address in a while, but definitely email us some stuff. Uh, if you want to be a guest on the podcast, drop us an email too. I, I, I feel like we need to start taping this thing live. Like I want to do like a live room and maybe we like video camera it or something. I don't know. I like that idea. Yeah, I think it's a good idea too. So yeah, so uh, on the socials anywhere you can type in the laugh button. You can find us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, uh, uh, Facebook, all that kind of good stuff. You on Pinterest? <sighs> we actually are on Pinterest. Right. We haven't we haven't updated. Our Pinterest page in a long time, but we are on Pinterest. If you type in the laugh button on Pinterest, you will find us on Pinterest. And we're also on Tumblr as well, and uh, Snapchat, and uh, Carrier Pigeon. I don't know. Drop us an email. Uh, I, you can find me at I am Klein Schmidt. Um, you can find Bram at. I'm at Bram Filter at Twitter and Bram Fetter me on the Instagram. Yeah, and uh, go to the go to iTunes, go to Laughable app, go to Stitcher, go to go to TuneIn, and basically give us good reviews. Tell your friends the podcast is just getting better and better every day. Tell your friends about us, subscribe, uh, rate us, give us a review. We love all that kind of stuff. And one then, like uh, equals one share. <laughs> there you go. Or <laughs> one like <laughs> equals one share. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we can go viral like that. I don't know, but uh, yeah, definitely check us out. And uh, we have uh, plenty of things. Yeah, great in store and there's a ton of a uh, ton of great content on the website on a daily basis so uh, drop us a line say hello and uh, that'll do it for this week um, and uh, tune in to uh, the Laugh One podcast next week here on yep. the Ridecast also metalinsider.net if you want to read music news and things yeah, it's dude, fun I definitely recommend information. Bram, Bram's style of writing is definitely fun and quirky so like it, he, he's like walking pun sometimes I so I feel best. like your headlines
lines are very punny, whether you want them to be or not. I want them to be. Yeah, I know you do. But uh, but yeah, so if you like puns, you'll like Bram's reading and you'll like Bram's whole thing. His whole Your whole aura is very a pun. You're a walking pun. Let's that's that. the nicest thing anyone said. I think that's Wait, an insult, actually. Fuck it, it's, yourself. It's 100% an insult. Damn so it. Take, it, take, it, take it as I meant it, of course. So uh, that'll do it for this uh, this week of the Laugh Button Podcast. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Later.